Chapter 18 Concerning Peacefulness Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 5 9. This is the seventh step of the golden ladder that leads to blessedness. The name of peace is sweet, and the work of peace is a blessed work. Blessed are the peacemakers. Observe the connection. Scripture links together pureness of heart and peacefulness of spirit. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. James 3.17. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Hebrews 12.14. Here, Christ joins together the pure in heart and peacemakers, as if there could not be any purity where there is not a study of peace. That religion is suspicious that is full of division and discord. There are three parts in these words. One, a duty implied, have a mind that desires peace. Two, a duty expressed to be peacemakers. And three, a title of honor bestowed, they shall be called the children of God. A duty implied. Before people can make peace among others, they must be of peaceable spirits themselves. Before they can be promoters of peace, they must love peace. Christians must be peaceable-minded. This peacefulness of spirit is the beauty of a saint. It is a jewel of great price, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. 1 Peter 3, 4. The saints are Christ's sheep. John 10.27. The sheep is a peaceful creature. They are Christ's doves. Song of Solomon 2.14. Therefore, they must be without hostility. Christians should not be Ishmael's, but Solomon's. Although they must be lions for courage, yet they should be lambs for peacefulness. God was not in the earthquake nor in the fire, but in the still small voice. 1 Kings 19.12. God is not in the rough, fiery spirit, but in the peaceful spirit. There is a fourfold peace that we must study and cherish. 1. A practical peace, peace in families. It is called the bond of peace, Ephesians 4.3. Without this, everything falls in pieces. Peace is a belt that ties together members in a family. It is a golden clasp that knits them together so that they do not fall in pieces. We should strive for our houses to be houses of peace. It's not nice rooms that make a house pleasant, but peacefulness of dispositions. There can be no comfortableness in our dwellings until peace is welcomed as a resident into our houses. 2. There is a parish peace. This is when there is a sweet harmony, a tuning and chiming together of affections in a parish. It is when all move one way, and, as the Apostle says, are perfectly joined together in the same mind. 1 Corinthians 1.10 One off-key string brings all the music out of tune. One bad member in a parish endangers the whole. Be at peace among yourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5.13. It's not much comfort to have our houses joined together if our hearts are divided. A geometric union will do little good without a moral union. 
Three, there is a political peace, peace in city and country. This is the finest jewel of a prince's crown. Peace is the best blessing of a nation. It is good with bees when there is a noise, but it is best with Christians when, as in the building of the temple, there is no noise of hammer heard. Peace brings plenty along with it. How many miles would some people go on pilgrimage to purchase this peace? This is why the Greeks made peace to be the nurse of Pluto, the god of wealth. Political plants thrive best in the sunshine of peace. He maketh peace in thy borders, and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. Psalm 147, 14. Peace makes all things flourish. The ancients made the harp the emblem of peace. How sweet would the sounding of this harp be after the roaring of the cannon! All people should study to promote this political peace. When the godly man dies, he enters into peace. Isaiah 57, 2. But while he lives, peace must enter into him. And four, there is an ecclesiastical peace, a church peace, when there is unity and truth in the church of God. The Christian religion never flourishes more than when her children spread themselves as olive plants round about her table. Psalm 128, 3. Unity in faith and discipline is a mercy we cannot value enough. This is that which God has promised, Jeremiah 32, 39, and which we should pursue, Zechariah 8, 18-23. Ambrose says of Emperor Theodosius that when he lay sick, he took more care for the church's peace than for his own recovery. The reasons why we should be peacefully minded are two. First, we are called to peace, 1 Corinthians 7.15. God never called anyone to division. One reason why we should not be given to strife is because we have no call for it. God has, though, called us to peace. Second, it is the nature of grace to change the heart and make it peaceable. By nature, we are of a fierce, cruel disposition. When God cursed the ground for man's sake, the curse was that it should bring forth thorns and thistles. Genesis 3:18. The heart of man naturally lies under this curse. It brings forth nothing but the thistles of strife and contention. However, when grace comes into the heart, it makes it peaceable. It infuses a sweet, loving disposition. It smooths and polishes the most rugged peace. It files off the ruggedness in people's spirits. Grace turns the vulture into a dove, the briar into a myrtle tree, Isaiah 55, 13, and the lion-like fierceness into a lamb-like gentleness. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, Isaiah 11, 6. It is spoken about the power that the gospel will have upon people's hearts. It will make such a change that those who before were full of rage and bitterness will then be made peaceable and gentle. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. It shows us the character of a true saint. He is given to peace. He is the keeper of the peace. He is a son of peace. Luke 10, 6. Caution. A person may be of a peaceable spirit, yet seek to recover that which is his due. 
If peace has been otherwise sought and cannot be attained, a person may go to court and still be a peaceable person. Going to court is similar in a way to going to war when the rights of a nation are invaded. See 2 Chronicles 20. And peace can be obtained in no other means than war. Here it is lawful to beat the plowshare into a sword. Joel 3.10. In the same way, when there is no other way of recovering one's right except by going to court, a person may file a lawsuit yet still be of a peaceable spirit. Going to court in this case is not so much striving with another as contending for what is one's own. It is not to do someone else wrong, but to do himself right. It is a desire of equity rather than of victory. I say, as the apostle, the law is good if a man use it lawfully. 1 Timothy 1 8. You may ask, Is all peace to be sought? How far is peace lawful? I answer, that peace with men must have this double limitation. 1. The peace a godly person seeks is not to have a league of fellowship with sinners. Although we are to be at peace with their persons, yet we are to have war with their sins. We are to have peace with their persons as they are made in God's image, but we are to have war with their sins as they have made themselves in the devil's image. David was for peace, Psalm 127, but he would not sit in the tavern with sinners, Psalm 26, 4-5. Grace teaches good nature. We are to be civil to the worst people, but not twist into a cord of friendship. That would result in being brethren in iniquity. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, Ephesians 5:11. Jehoshaphat, though a good man, was blamed for this. Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? 2 Chronicles 19.2. The fault was not that he maintained civil peace with Ahab, but that he had a league of friendship and was assistant to Ahab when he went contrary to God. Therefore is wrath upon Jehoshaphat from before the Lord. 2 Chronicles 19.2. We must not have peace with others so much as to endanger ourselves. If someone has the plague, we will be helpful to him and send him our best cures, but we will be careful not to have too much of his company or breathe in his infectious germs. In the same way, we may be peaceable and helpful toward all. We may pray for them, counsel them, and support them, but let us be careful of too much closeness lest we breathe in their infection. We must so make peace with people that we do not break our peace with conscience. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Hebrews 12:14. We must not purchase peace with the loss of holiness. And two, we must not so much seek peace with others that we wrong truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs 23:23. 23, 23. Peace must not be bought with the sale of truth. Truth is the basis of faith, the rule of manners. Truth is the most sparkling gem of the church's crown. Truth is a deposit or a charge that God has entrusted us with. We trust God with our souls. He trusts us with His truths. We must not let any of God's truths fall to the ground. Martin Luther said that it is better that the heavens fall than that one crumb of truth perish.
The smallest filings of this gold are precious. We must not so seek the flower of peace as to lose the pearl of truth. Some say that we should unite, but we should not unite with error. What communion hath light with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6.14 There are many people who would have peace by destroying truth. They would have peace with those who have unscriptural beliefs, including Armenians, Socinians, and anti-scripturists. This is a peace of the devil's making. Cursed be that peace that makes war with the Prince of Peace. Although we must be peaceable, yet we are told to contend for the faith. Jude 1, 3. We must not be so much in love with the golden crown of peace as to pluck off the jewels of truth. It is better to let peace go than to let truth go. The martyrs would rather lose their lives than let go of the truth. If Christians must be peaceable-minded, what will we say to those who are given to strife and contention? What do we say to those who, like flax or gunpowder, are all on fire if they are only touched? How far this is from the spirit of the gospel! It is made the note of the wicked. The wicked are like the troubled sea. Isaiah 57:20. There's no rest or quietness in their spirits, but they are continually casting forth the foam of passion and fury. We may, with Strigelius, even desire to die to be freed from the bitter strifes that are among us. There are too many, like the salamander, who live in the fire of conflict and contention. If ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. James 3.14-15 The lustful person is like an animal. The wrathful person is like the devil. Everyone is afraid to dwell in a house that is haunted with evil spirits. Yet how little afraid people are of their own hearts, which are haunted with the evil spirit of wrath and cruelty. Then, which is much to be laid to heart, there are the divisions of God's people. God's own tribes go to war. In Tertullian's time it was said, See how the Christians love one another. Now, though, it may be said, See how the Christians quarrel with one another. They are comparable to ferocious bears. Wicked people agree together, while those who pretend to be led by higher principles are full of animosity, jealousy, and resentment. Was it not sad to see Herod and Pilate uniting, and then to see Paul and Barnabas falling out? Acts 15.39 When the disciples called for fire from heaven, Jesus said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. Luke 9.55 It is as if the Lord had said, This fire you call for is not zeal, but is the wildfire of your own passions. This spirit of yours does not correspond with the master you serve, the prince of peace, nor with the work I am sending you on, which is as an ambassador of peace. It is Satan who kindles the fire of contention in people's hearts, and then he stands and warms himself at the fire. When fierce winds blow, some people are accustomed to talk about sorcerers. I am certain that when people's spirits begin to bluster and storm, the devil has conjured up these winds. Discord and animosities among Christians bring their godliness much into question, 
For the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. James 3.17. Be of a peaceable disposition. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12.18. The curtains of the tabernacle were to be joined together. Exodus 26.3-4. And the hearts of Christians should be joined together in peace and unity. To try to persuade people to pursue a peaceable mind, let me speak both to reason and conscience. A peaceable spirit seems to be agreeable to the natural body and constitution. By nature, man seems to be a peaceable creature, more suitable to handle the plough than the sword. Other creatures are naturally armed with some kind of weapon by which they are able to avenge themselves. The lion has its paw, the boar its tusk, and the bee its sting. Only man has none of these weapons. He comes naked and unarmed into the world as if God would have him be a peaceable creature. White-robed peace is appropriate for men, and fierce anger is appropriate for wild beasts. Man has his reason given to him so that he would live graciously and peaceably. A peaceable spirit is honorable. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. Proverbs 23. We think it's a brave thing to give way to strife and let loose the reins to our passions. No, for it is an honor for a man to cease from strife. Noble spirits love peace so much that they don't need to be forced to seek peace. It is the thorn bush that splits and tears whatever is near it. The cedar and fig tree, those more noble plants, grow pleasantly and peaceably. Peacefulness is the emblem and ornament of a noble mind. To be of a peaceable spirit is highly prudent. The wisdom that is from above is peaceable. James 3.17 A wise person will not interfere in strife. It is like putting one's finger into a hornet's nest, or to use Solomon's comparison, the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Proverbs 17. 14. To take part in the foolishness of strife is like letting out water in two respects. A. When water begins to be let out, there is no end of it. In the same way, there is no end of strife once it has begun. And B. The letting out of water is dangerous. If someone would break down a bank and let in a branch of the sea, the water might overflow his fields and drown him in the flood. So is he who meddles with strife. He may trouble himself and open such a flood that will engulf and swallow him up. True wisdom advocates for peace. A prudent person will stay away from the briars as much as he can. A peaceable spirit brings peace along with it. A contentious person troubles himself and diminishes his own comfort. He is like the bird that beats itself against the cage. He troubles his own flesh. Proverbs 11:17. He is just like one who cuts off the sweet of the apple and eats nothing but the core. In the same way, a quarrelsome person peels off all the comfort of his life and feeds only upon the bitter core of disquiet. He is a self-tormentor. 
The wicked are compared to a troubled sea, Isaiah 57, 20, and it follows that there is no peace to the wicked, Isaiah 57, 21. The Septuagint renders it, There is no joy to the wicked. Rebellious spirits do not enjoy what they possess, but peacefulness of spirit brings the sweet music of peace along with it. It makes a calm and harmony in the soul. Therefore, the psalmist says that it is not only good, but pleasant to live together in unity. Psalm 133, 1. A peaceable disposition is a godly disposition. God the Father is called the God of peace. Hebrews 13, 20. Mercy and peace are around His throne. He signs the articles of peace and sends the ambassadors of peace to publish them. 2 Corinthians 5.20. God the Son is called the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9.6. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1.23. A name of peace. His role is to be a mediator of peace. 1 Timothy 2.5. He came into the world with a song of peace. The angels sang it, Peace on Earth, Luke 2.14. He went out of the world with a legacy of peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, John 14.27. God the Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace. He is the comforter, John 14.26. He seals up peace, 2 Corinthians 1.22. This blessed dove brings the olive branch of peace in his mouth. A peaceable temperament demonstrates something of God in a person. Therefore, God loves to dwell there. In Salem is his tabernacle. Psalm 76, 2. Salem signifies peace. God dwells in a peaceable spirit. Christ's earnest prayer was for peace. He prayed that his people might be one, John 17, 11, 21, 23, that they might be of one mind and heart. Observe the reasoning Christ uses in prayer. It's good to use reasoning in prayer. It is as the feathers to the arrow, which make it fly swifter and pierce deeper. Passion in prayer is as the fire in the gun. Reason in prayer is as the bullet. The argument Christ urges to his Father is that they may be one even as we are one. John 17:22. There was never any discord between the Father and Christ. Although God parted with Christ out of his arms, he never left his heart. There was always affection and oneness between them. Christ now prays that just as he and his Father were one, so his people might be all one in peace and harmony. Did Christ pray so earnestly for peace, and will we not strive with all that lies within us to fulfill Christ's prayer? How do we think Christ will hear our prayer if we resist His? Christ not only prayed for peace, but He bled for it. Having made peace through the blood of His cross, Colossians 1.20 Peace of all kinds He died not only to make peace between God and man, but also between man and man. Christ suffered on the cross so that He might unite Christians together with His blood. As He prayed for peace, 
so he paid for peace. Christ was himself intent to bring us into the bond of peace. Ephesians 4 3. Strife and contention hinder the growth of grace. Can good seed grow in a ground where there is nothing but thorns and briars to be seen? The thorns choked the seed. Matthew 13 7. When the heart is, as it were, stuck with thorns and is always tearing and ripping, can the seed of grace ever grow there? Historians report about the Isle of Patmos that its natural soil is such that nothing will grow in that dirt. A disobedient heart is like the Isle of Patmos. Nothing of grace will grow there until God changes the soil and makes it peaceable. How can faith grow in a heart that does not want peace? Faith works by love. Galatians 5 6. It is impossible that a person would bring forth the sweet fruits of the Spirit who is in the gall of bitterness. Acts 8.23. If a person has received poison into his body, the most excellent food will not nourish him until he takes some antidote to expel that poison. Many people come to the ordinances with seeming zeal, but being poisoned with wrath and animosity, they receive no spiritual nourishment. Christ's spiritual body edifies itself in love. Ephesians 4.16. There may be praying and hearing, but there is no spiritual composition, no edifying of the body of Christ without love and peace. Peacefulness among Christians is a powerful magnet to attract the world to receive Christ. Not only gifts and miracles and preaching may persuade people to embrace the truth of the gospel, but peace and unity among the professors of it may also persuade people to embrace God's truth. Just as there is one God and one faith, so when there is one heart among Christians, this is as common seed that makes the doves flock to the windows. The temple was adorned with goodly stones. Luke 21 5. This makes Christ's spiritual temple look beautiful, and the stones of it appear pleasing when they are cemented together in peace and unity. Unpeacefulness of spirit is to make Christians turn into heathens. It is the sin of the heathens to be implacable. Romans 1 31. They cannot be pacified. Their hearts are like hard stone. No oil can soften them. No fire can melt them. It is a heathenish thing to be so fierce and violent, as if with Romulus they had sucked the milk of wolves. To add even more importance to the exhortation, it is the mind of Christ that we should live in peace. Have peace one with another. Mark 9.50 Will we not be at peace for Christ's sake? If we should lay down our life for Christ's sake, Will we not lay down our strife for his sake? To conclude, if we do not want to be under counsels or commands, but still feed the sinful notion, nourishing in ourselves a spirit of dissension and unpeacefulness, Jesus Christ will never come near us. The people of God are said to be his house. Whose house are we? Hebrews 3 6. When the hearts of Christians are a spiritual house, adorned with the furniture of peace, then they are fit for the Prince of Peace to inhabit. 
but when this pleasant furniture is lacking, and instead of it there is nothing but strife and debate, Christ will not own it for His house, nor will He grace it with His presence. Who will dwell in a house that is smoky and on fire? How will we obtain peacefulness? Take heed of those things that will hinder it. There are several hindrances to peace that we must be aware of, and they are either outward or inward. Outward? This includes actions such as gossiping and spreading rumors. Romans 1.29. There are some people who will whisper things in our ears to purposely agitate and provoke. Among these we may list talebearers. Leviticus 19.16. The talebearer carries reports up and down. The devil sends his letters by this post. The talebearer is an incendiary and an inciter. He blows the coals of contention. He asks, Did you hear what that person said about you? Will you put up with such a wrong? Will you allow yourself to be so abused? By throwing in his grenades in this way, he stirs up disputes and strife among people. We are commanded indeed to provoke one another to love. Hebrews 10:24. But nowhere are we told to provoke people to anger. We should stop our ears to those people who are known to come on the devil's errand. And inward Beware of inward hindrances to peace, such as the following. Self-love. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. 2 Timothy 3.2. It follows that they will be fierce. 2 Timothy 3.3. Setting up this idol of self has caused very many lawsuits, plunders, and massacres in the world. All seek their own. Philippians 2.21. It would be good if they would only seek their own, but their self-love maneuvers away the estates of others, either by force or fraud. Self-love sets up monopolies and enclosures. It is a bird of prey that lives upon plunder. Self-love cuts apart the bond of peace. Lay aside self. Even the heathen could say, we are not born for ourselves alone. Pride he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. Proverbs 28.25. Pride and contention, like Hippocrates' twins, are both born at once. A proud person thinks he is better than others and will contend for superiority. Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence. 3 John 1.9. A proud person wants to be superior to others and wants to be acknowledged as such. Because Mordecai would not bow to Haman or show him reverence, Haman obtained a bloody warrant signed for the death of all the Jews. Esther 3, 5-9 What made all the strife between Pompey and Caesar except pride? Their spirits were too high to yield to one another. When this wind of pride gets into a person's heart, it causes sad earthquakes of division. The poets imagine that when Pandora's box was broken open, it filled the world with diseases. When Adam's pride had broken the box of original righteousness, it has ever since filled the world with contention and disunity. Let us shake off this viper of pride. Humility joins Christians together in peace. Envy 
Envy stirs up strife. The Apostle Paul has linked them together. Envy, strife. 1 Timothy 6 4. Envy cannot endure a superior. This is what made the plebeian faction, or the common people, so strong among the Romans. They envied their superiors. An envious person who sees someone else with a fuller crop or a better business is ready to pick a quarrel with him. Who is able to stand before envy? Proverbs 27 4. Envy is a beast that lives on blood. Take heed of it. Peace will not dwell with this resident. And gullibility. The simple believeth every word. Proverbs 14 15. A gullible or credulous person is comparable to a fool. He believes all that is told him, and this often creates differences. As it is a sin to be a tale-bearer, so it is foolish to be a tale-believer. A wise person will not believe a report at the first rumor, but will sift and examine it before he gives credit to it. Let us labor for those things that will maintain and cherish peace. Faith Faith and peace dwell together. Faith believes the Word of God. The Word says, Live in peace. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. As soon as faith sees the King of Heaven's commission, it obeys. Faith assures the soul that God is at peace, and it is impossible to believe this and live in disagreement. Nourish faith. Faith knits us to God in love and to our brethren in peace. Christian Communion There should not be too much unfamiliarity among Christians. The primitive saints had their agape, or love feasts. The Apostle Paul, exhorting Christians to peace, brings this as a method, Be ye kind one to another, Ephesians 4.32. Do not look upon the failings of others, but look upon their graces. There is no perfection here. We read of the spots of God's children, Deuteronomy 32.5. The most golden Christians are some grains too light. Let us not so quarrel with the weaknesses of others that we pass by their virtues. If they fail in some things, they excel in others. It is the manner of the world to look more upon the sun in an eclipse than when it shines in its full brightness. Pray to God that He will send down the Spirit of peace into our hearts. We should not pray upon one another as vultures, but should pray for one another. Pray that God will quench the fire of contention and kindle the fire of compassion in our hearts one to another. So much for the first thing implied in the text, that Christians should be peaceably minded. I proceed to the second thing. A duty expressed. Christians should be peacemakers. All good Christians should be peacemakers. They should not only be peaceable themselves, but they should make others to be at peace. When a part of the body is out of joint, we set it again. It should be the same way in the body of Christ. When a garment is torn, we sew it together again. When people are torn apart in their emotions and desires, we should sew them together again with a spirit of meekness. If we had this excellent skill, we might glue and unite dissenting spirits. 
I confess it is often a thankless job to go around and try to reconcile differences. Acts 7.27 No matter how gently one handles a briar, he will usually get scratched. He who goes to intervene between two people fighting often ends up getting hit. However, although this duty may lack success from people, yet it will not lack a blessing from God. Blessed are the peacemakers. How happy our nation would be if it had more peacemakers. Abraham was a peacemaker. Genesis 13:8. Moses was a peacemaker. Exodus 2:13. That ever to be honored emperor Constantine called the bishops together at that first council of Nicaea to end church controversies. Instead of desiring to end church controversies, the bishops had prepared bitter condemnation and accusations against each other. Constantine took their papers and tore them up, solemnly exhorting them to seek peace and unanimity. It sharply reproves those who are so far from being peacemakers that they are peacebreakers. If blessed are the peacemakers, then cursed are the peacebreakers. If peacemakers are the children of God, then peacebreakers are the children of the devil. Heretics destroy the truth of the church by error, and schematics destroy the peace of it by division. The apostle sets a mark upon such people. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Romans 16:17. Have no more to do with them than with witches or murderers. The devil was the first peacebreaker. He divided man from God. He, like Phaeton, set everything on fire. There are too many people whose sweetest music is in discord, who like to stir up trouble, and who never unite, but divide. As it was said of one of the Aryan emperors, he procured unity to prevent peace. How many in our days may be compared to Samson's foxtails, which were tied together only to set the Philistines' corn on fire? Judges 15, 4-5. Apostates unite to set the church's peace on fire. These are the people God's soul hates. He that soweth discord among brethren. Proverbs 6, 19. These are the children of a curse. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly. Deuteronomy 27, 24. That is, he who backbites and sets one friend against another. If there is a devil in human form, it is the person who stirs up trouble and disunity. The text exhorts us to do two things. 1. Let us take up a bitter lamentation for the divisions of our nation. The wild beast has broken down the hedge of our peace. We are like a house falling into ruin, if the Lord does not mercifully support and shore us up. None of the sons of our land comfort her but rather mourn for her. Will not a simple child grieve to see his mother rent and torn in pieces? It is reported of Cato that from the time the civil wars began in Rome between Caesar and Pompey, he was never seen to laugh, shave his beard, or cut his hair. So that our hearts may be sadly affected with these divisions in our church and nation, let us consider the harm of divisions. A. They are a forecast of much evil to a nation. 
That rule in philosophy holds true here. All division tends to destruction. When the veil of the temple was rent in pieces, it was a sad omen and forerunner of the destruction of the temple. The rending of the veil of the church's peace signifies the ruin of it. Josephus observes that when the city of Jerusalem was besieged by Titus Vespasian, it had three large factions in it that destroyed more than the enemy and was the occasion of taking the city. How fatal internal divisions have been to this land! Camden and other knowledgeable writers relate how our divisions and uprisings have been the ladders by which the Romans and the Normans have previously gotten into the nation. How is the bond of peace broken? We have so many divisions in the body and are split into so many different churches that God may justly unchurch us, as He did Asia. B. It may bother us to see the garment of the church's peace torn, because divisions bring dishonor and disgrace upon religion. These make the ways of God evil spoken of, as if the Christian religion incited strife and sedition. Emperor Julian, in his tirade against the Christians, said that they lived together as tigers, rending and devouring one another. Will we make Julian's words good? It is improper to see Christ's doves fighting, to see his lily become a thornbush. Alexander Severus saw two Christians fighting and commanded them not to take the name of Christians any longer upon them, for he said that they dishonored their master, Christ. Let people either stop their contentiousness or stop professing to follow Jesus. And see, divisions obstruct the progress of piety. The gospel seldom thrives where the apple of strife grows. The building of God's spiritual temple is hindered by the confusion of tongues. Division eats as a worm and destroys the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Hebrews 12:11. When the church of Corinth began to divide into parties, one group was for Paul and another for Apollos. There were only a few for Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.12. I am confident that our nation's divisions have made many people turn to atheism. And two, let us labor to heal differences and repair breaches. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus Christ was a great peacemaker. He took a long journey from heaven to earth to make peace. Peace and unity are great ways to confirm and strengthen the church of God. The saints are compared to living stones built up for a spiritual house. 1 Peter 2:5. The stones in an arch or other structure help to preserve and bear up one another. If the stones are loosened and drop out, the entire structure falls in pieces. When the Christians in the primitive church were of one heart, Acts 4.32, how supportive this was! How they counseled, comforted, and built up one another in their holy faith! We see that while the members of the body are united, they administer help and nourishment to each other, but if they are divided and broken off, they are in no way useful, but the body grows weak. Therefore, let us strive to be peacemakers. 
The church's unity contributes much to her stability. Peace makes the church of God on earth in some measure like the church in heaven. The cherubim, representing the angels, on the Ark of the Covenant, were set out with their faces looking one to another to show their peace and unity. Exodus 25, 20. There is no fighting or discord among the heavenly spirits. One angel is not of a differing opinion from another. Although they have different orders, they are not of different spirits. The seraphim, or burning ones, do not burn in the heat of contention, but in love. The angels serve God not only with pure hearts, but also with united hearts. By a harmonious peace, we might resemble the church triumphant. He who sows peace will reap peace. To the counselors of peace is joy. Proverbs 12:20. The peacemaker will have peace with God and peace in his own heart, and that is the sweetest music that is made in a person's own heart. He will have peace with others. The hearts of all will be united to him. All will honor him. He shall be called the repairer of the breach. Isaiah 58:12. To conclude, the peacemaker will die in peace. He will carry a good conscience with him and will leave a good name behind him. I have finished with the first part of the text, Blessed are the peacemakers. I will now proceed to the next part.